0: Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. right everyone welcome to the sisters on the front lines podcast so today i am joined with one of my very good friends her name is ashley dean you may know her as ashley air that was her maiden name when she went on a ton of podcasts talking about the same things that we're talking about she is a woman who has struggled with pornography and she Bravely and courageously shared her story, but it has been a while since she's been on podcast. So we are excited to have her back and hear some updates about her life. So Ashley, just go ahead and introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you like to do?
1: Awesome. <laughs> I'm excited to be here, Maddie. I'm Ashley, and I I usually say that I come from a big family, but it's weird. Like I started my own family. I'm married now. I got married in July. <laughs> so it's been like seven months. And it's been great. But yeah, I come from a big family. We live in their apartment. So close to them, there's eight of us, eight kids. And we live on a farm. We have animals and we love taking care of them and playing with the little baby goats and spending time together. My mom is amazing and schools all the kids. So that's a little bit about my family. I was homeschooled as well, on and off. I went to school. And uh, right now... So I got married after I graduated high school and kind of took a gap year. I worked a little bit and I found what I kind of want to do. I've been working with some midwives and so I'm on call all the time and I'm going to births and it's pretty cool. So that's what I'm doing right now. I love to play the piano. I I also like to read. I like to bake, you know, just all the home stuff. I work at Shields. So that's pretty fun. So that's a little bit about
0: me. Ashley, you are just the coolest person ever. So I want to ask you a little bit more about your story as a woman who has struggled with pornography. So take it and start it wherever you want to start and then just kind of run us through it and I'll ask you some
1: follow up questions. Perfect. So it pretty much starts when I was about 11 years old. I was home a lot. I was homeschooled at this time. And so we just had a lot of time during the day. I like to read a lot. So I actually found pornography in a different way than most people do. I found it in a dictionary. Well, I found it actually in a book that was telling about dangers of pornography and like how to avoid it. It was like this whole little story, fiction story. And I was just like, oh, interesting. And I was curious about it. And so I turned to dictionaries and just like, I don't know, all the random stuff, coloring books. Anything that would teach me a little bit more about this. And I started drawing. This is kind of interesting. I was like drawing erotic pictures. I like to draw a lot and I would always do that secretly and then hide them. So just weird little ways like that. And then we moved, I think a year later. So actually we had the whole sex talk when I was 11 as well. So it was kind of like a one and done Kind of thing, I know that wasn't my parents' intentions for sure, but they had a lot of kids back then, so like like that totally makes sense, you know, juggling a lot. And so it was kind of a one and done at that time. We moved and we moved like an hour away, so it was kind of a big shock. We jumped right into school. I we went to school for a little bit. and my parents trusted me a lot. I was, you know, the first star first daughter. And so they gave me like a lot of responsibilities and I was really good at following through and just being a really good babysitter and stuff. So I don't know, I kind of put like the perfect daughter label on myself and I tried to live up to that. And so when I asked for a phone when I was 12, it was kind of like a no brainer. They're like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Since you're going to school, since you're, you know, getting more serious into piano lessons and all your other stuff. Yeah, let's, let's do a phone. So that quickly became something I turned to a lot. I had like a flip phone, like I had dumb phones for a bit. But shortly after, I got a smartphone. With that, of course, came social media. Like that was kind of new when I was, what, 13. But I loved social media. I loved gaming on my phone. I loved any kind of distractions, even coloring books and Then the porn kind of started to seep in again. I found it mostly like on YouTube and Instagram and the coloring books and just like, it was everywhere. It was so easy to find and so easy to hide it too. You know, you just go into the bathroom and look at it. I discovered masturbation. I thought I made it up. And so I quickly like put those two together. I turned to both of them a lot and it quickly became a daily thing and I was using it to cope. I was using it to feel good, even when I felt good already. You know, just trying to do it a lot. I even got to the point where I couldn't fall asleep without masturbating. So I was like, "Dang, this is this is more than like even if I want to stop, I don't think I could." So that kind of scared me when I saw that I was getting a, lot, a little out of control. And it also scared me when I started noticing how it was changing me, how I wasn't. When I wasn't acting, when I wasn't able to show up the way that I have been and, like, you know, fall through with my responsibilities and fall through with my schoolwork, I was going to school on and off. It was, you know, A day, B day kind of thing. And so when I was homeschooled, I was getting distracted with porn and other stuff. So when I was 16, I think it was 2018, I was... So that was kind of, that's kind of the height of my issue with it, I guess. I'll go into where I kind of got out of it, it was ending of 2017 and beginning of 2018. I was talking with my cousin in the car. It's just a great car ride with music and stuff. And I don't know how it happened. Somehow we talked about like our biggest struggles. And that was amazing. And I don't know how I don't know what led up to it. Actually, I do. go back to that. It's been so well since I've told the story. I think it was just like, you know, just like a second of courage. And I told her that I had been struggling with that for a long time, and I wanted to get out of it. So going back, I think I had been preparing for a while. I was, my heart was like in the right place. It was softening a lot. And I was starting to write notes to people. I was starting to write notes to my parents, to my bishop, just hoping that Maybe I could just have the courage to slip it into them and like ask them, please, 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 I need help. I really want to get out of this. I was so scared, and I like vividly remember sweeping the driveway. There were a bunch of leaves out there, and I was like, I can't do this. I I want to, but I can't. Like I, I'm gonna take this to my grave. This is so much. There was so much shame. A lot of the shame. I know Maddie, you've talked about this. I've talked about this, and I think it's very common girls. I oh I guess I should say I was born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ latter Day Saints, very active family. And that's something that we just we, you know, in our lessons in our young women's lessons with a group of teenage girls, you know, we would have the pornography lessons like once a year. And I know they didn't mean to be shaming, but like the way that it came across always felt shaming. You know, very strong on, I know this is like a guy's problem. And it's like, it's, it's so hard for us because we do feel like we're the only one. And it's so big. It's like, how, how are we supposed to tell anyone? How are we supposed to reach out to help? Like no one will understand. Like our leaders won't understand. How would our parents understand? They don't understand social media. Like how do we say like, Hey, we're struggling with looking at porn. You know, it just sounds crazy. So I know that there were other young women sitting in the group with me that have struggled with it. And I personally know that as well, because when I started talking about it on podcasts, those women sitting next to me came up to me and said, like, this is obviously a couple of years later, but they're like, yeah, I've, I struggle with it too. So anyways, going back to 2018, I was in the car with my cousin and that's when I just blurted it out. And I was like, Oh my goodness. She told me stuff that she was struggling with. And we decided, okay, let's change our life. Let's do this while we're, you know, kind of riding this high. And so I decided the next week to go and talk to the bishop. He's like a leader in our church. And um, I went in and I talked with him. I was so scared and it was so freeing. I know it was so amazing. And I know, Maddie, you had a similar experience. And I think it's so amazing. I'm so grateful for the bishops that, you know, have, I don't know how to explain it, but they're so graceful. They're just like, you can just feel Christ through them. And you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't think that you would react this way. I thought this would be so much worse. You know, you make it so much bigger in your head. And I came out and it, it is like a physical weight taken off of your back. And it's amazing. And I pretty much cut it out cold turkey after that I was so so grateful I've I've never felt closer to God in my life I never felt so much hope and peace and I've never understood the atonement either that was amazing and after that yeah I cut it out cold turkey I changed a lot of habits in my life it was just like the little things I deleted all the games I deleted social media I started to serve more and go to the temple and just changed my life, honestly. It was amazing. And then fast forward that year in July. So I don't think I really even struggled much with porn or masturbation that whole year. I thought I was completely healed, which is really interesting. (laughs) And now I know that, you know, it wasn't porn and masturbation that were the problem. You know, it it was something else that I was using, you know, that was the solution to some other problems and i because i didn't heal the root problems it was kind of jumping from one issue to the other so in july when i i had a double jaw surgery so i couldn't eat for about a month i was using a syringe and i was drinking like water down food it was kind of crazy but i kind of enjoyed it the attention <laughs> that sounds funny <laughs> But it was, it was quite the change, you know, everyone's like, wow, like I I looked completely different. I know this is sad, but I lost a lot of weight. And that had been something that I wanted to do because I went through puberty and I didn't like how I gained a few extra pounds when I became a woman. So you know, just getting attention for like my looks and all that stuff, it was like, wow, kind of healing. But after that, because I hadn't eaten for a month, and I had been dieting for probably two years before then. Just seriously obsessed with my body image. I would always get compliments on my body. When I could start eating, I started binging, and that became my life. That became all I thought about, and it destroyed me. It was hell. For nine months, it was horrible, and because it was so up and down uh, for so long, I turned back to pornography and masturbation to cope with that pain. I did talk with my mom about that food issue. So she was there like supporting me throughout that one. I didn't tell her about the porn though. The next year I kind of figured out how to heal uh, the binging. And, you know, I, I did intuitive eating and that really helped a lot. It was scary. But I was able to get over it. And then pornography stayed. I'm like, shoot, dang it. I think I went through some times, you know, where I was sober for, like, three months. And I'm like, wow. You know, and then you fall back into it. Of course. Like, But it's amazing, like, looking back from, you know, that's progress. Where I went from daily using it or, like, even five times a day to, like, every three months. So that was awesome. But – and I think – Was it 2020 or something? I joined a support group, and that was amazing. I did it for uh, masturbation mainly, and it was the life-changing services one, and it was incredible. And I, I really focused a lot on my relationship with God and learning who I was, learning how to fight. That was really cool, like putting on the armor of God every single day and like weapons I can use, you know, it was really awesome. And I was able to quote unquote graduate from that program. And so I'm like, dang, like I'm doing fine. I'm, it's been months, you know, and then I kind of let my guard down. Right. (laughs) But during that time where I was in real recovery and doing well, I was really excited. And I was following Colin Karchner on Instagram and I saw that he posted a picture of Smith Alley on his story and it's like, I just finished recording this story, this podcast with this amazing 18 year old and he talked about his struggles with pornography and I'm like, wait, what? Like, hey, this 18 year old talk about pornography? What the heck? Like, that's crazy. And I was so excited to listen to it. Like, no one talks about it. So I DM'd Colin and I was like, dang, this is amazing. Have you ever thought about having a girl on your podcast? And I was like, I, I've i struggled with it. And, you know, that would have really helped me a lot if I even just knew that another girl around my age has struggled with it. And he's like, well, why don't you just come on? I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll get back to you. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I want to go on this podcast. And it was so exciting just like thinking about just like when you're writing that high and you're just kind of kicking Satan in the face. You're like, okay, I have this opportunity to do more. Let's do it. So I was trying to figure out how to do this because I've never, I've never shared my story with anyone else except for my cousin and the bishop. So I'm like, gosh, like, what do I even say? <laughs> I'm like, maybe I should talk to my mom. Maybe I should, maybe I should ask her if I should do this. If it's Okay. And so I talked to her like a week before I went on. I was like, hey, I'm going to be sharing my story with the world. This is what happened. So I just told her and it was crazy. I was I was pretty nervous, but it went a lot better than I expected, of course. She was amazing. And it was really cool because she also shared stuff that she has struggled with. I'm like, dang, she's human. Like, <laughs> this is so good to know. What the heck? And we've kind of been buddies our whole life. And, you know, that's kind of just like helped our relationship too. So I'm so grateful. I I'm so grateful. I told her, and so I went on his podcast. It was he was so amazing, and it really helped me. It helped me a lot more than I don't I don't even know. Maybe it helped some other people too. But it was very raw, and so I'm like, dang, I really need to like I need to look back on my story and see like what's going on, why did this happen? What are the root problems? Because I didn't even know at this point, really. But after that, I got so excited. And so I kind of just jumped in. I got hooked up with more podcasts and started jumping on them. And then Colin invited me to speak at the Utah Coalition Against Pornography. So I went down to St. George with Smith and Luke Petrie. And we all jumped on stage. This is the first time my family has heard my story. So I hadn't even told my dad. He was sitting in the audience when he heard the story. I don't know if my mom told him, but like it was kind of scary. I was telling everyone there was a live stream, so thousands of people. But I'm like, dang, I don't need to be ashamed about this. Like I struggled with this, but I'm overcoming this and I'm becoming stronger. And I was, it was really empowering. And messages started flooding in, even like my close friends, they were saying that they had struggled with this. And this was really relieving really to hear. And I'm like, wow. Like one person can do this. one person can just open the door so other people can you know feel free and share their story and you know I don't I don't even know like what has happened with that, but it's amazing when you know if we if a whole group opens up and just talks to one friend, you know it's just you just get stronger together. So that's when I was starting to speak a lot on podcasts and I kind of got freaked out because um, after a little bit, It came back and I started struggling with it again. I'm like, no, I thought it was over this, but it is a daily fight. You have to keep fighting and new things come up, new problems come up and you got to, you know, work on healing yourself, whatever that looks like. So I got scared away and kind of stopped doing podcasts because I didn't want to be like a hypocrite. But of course, you know, it's like we're in the fight and I understand that now, you know, it's okay to talk about it, even though I'm not 10 years free from this. You know, it's it's still powerful and it's...
0: Yeah, I think there's even more power that comes from that to be able to say like, hey, like I am right yeah. here in the trenches, but I'm still totally showing up. So huge
1: yeah, props to you. Yeah,
0: that's Anyway,
1: you. continue. <laughs> that is when... I talked on the Unashamed Unafraid podcast. I was super, super scary. I actually tried canceling it because I fell back into <laughs> into porn and I was like, gosh, I can't do it. But Chris was awesome. He's like, no, don't don't let that be an excuse. Come on, you know, don't be ashamed about this. You're fighting every day, you're in recovery. It's okay. And so I did that. That was amazing. And then I kind of I kind of stopped for a while. I got really
0: busy. So for anyone listening, you won't notice, uh, hopefully you won't notice the pause in here, but we just stopped because Ashley is going to dive into a pretty vulnerable and new part of her story that hasn't been shared before. So we said a prayer and we're hoping that the spirit guides this next discussion. So,
1: all right, go ahead and take it away, Ashley. (laughs) Okay, thank you. So this, this leads me to where I am now or last year, I guess. So... I, I went from the group therapy to the individual therapy and I just felt like I didn't really need the group anymore. Like I was doing super great and I kind of wanted to focus more on individual work, which was really good. And I'm grateful I did that. But during that, I fell back into masturbation and that one was pretty dang rocky. That was pretty hard for me. I really wanted to quit. And it was also kinda of difficult because I met I was dating a lot and I met a very cute boy was now my husband. And so that was hard when I was very, very horny. So just being totally honest, it was it was hard to stay away from masturbation. I tried and that recovery was kind of rough. It was up and down. I you know, I looking back, I do wish that I maybe joined the recovery group again or something, but I didn't. And so I I totally fell back into that pretty hard. And that was last year. And then it's like extra, extra, extra shame because I've already been on podcasts and telling people and, you know, when people just listen to it, you know, they might assume like, oh, she's probably doing great now. I'm like, well, that was a year ago. And like, you know, I'm still in recovery and right now is a rocky time. So it's kind of like everyone knows my story. And it's kind of rough that I'm in a hard spot right now. So that was kind of a bunch of shame. I didn't really want to tell people that. So I didn't really go to any group therapy or anything. And then that, honestly, I struggled with up till I got married. Now it's super different because <laughs> I'm, I'm having sex. But, like, a lot of people say, it'll go away. Porn and masturbation will go away when you get married. That is... An interesting thing to go into. I don't know if that's true for everyone. I don't know if that's false for everyone. And I know for me personally, right now, maybe that has helped me. Like being sexually active with my husband, maybe it's not, maybe it's helping me to not feel like a because we are sexual beings. Maybe I feel like fulfilled. That being said, it's not only marriage that is helping me with that. I'm really working on myself and getting down to those root issues. And, you know, I could go into that a little bit if you want me to. When I was on Unashamed Unafraid, I guess, we were doing a little bonus episode. And they had extra questions to ask. And one of them was, "We keep talking about these root problems. Like, what are those? Have you thought about what are those issues? I'm like, that's really interesting, because I don't know if I have. And You know, and that's a big thing. They keep showing up. They're like beliefs that I have or little traumas or, you know, so I'm like, dang, I really do need to focus on healing these because it's affected me. So I've been working on, I've just been working on myself. Maddie, I love how you always say that you're working on mental toughness. And it's really like honestly finding what you need, what you need to heal. And for me right now, that's like healing my I don't know. I've been kind of diving into attachment styles and attachment theories and stuff and like finding why, why am I so anxious? Why do I have an anxious attachment style? And so like trying to seek validation from God, not just externally, you know? So I'm just, I'm honestly on a journey and I'm trying to heal these beliefs, like that I'm not lovable, that I'm not worth it, you know? And that I am only lovable because of my body or You know, just all these weird things that I, that I believe. So that's what I'm working on. And that's really helping me and, you know, just strengthening my relationship with God. And so, yeah, that's kind of my story. (laughs) Wow. That was just
0: amazing. I just love you. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so glad that you were able to join me on this because I know that your story is going to help so many people. I have so many questions, but we'll just go into, I guess, the ones I want to ask most. Yeah. Uh, So towards the beginning, you talked about, like, you had these expectations of being perfect and being the perfect kid. How do you think that trying to uphold that image of perfection played into your struggle and the shame that came along
1: with it? Ooh, That's really hard. I really, really wanted to hold on to that label. Like it made me, I felt like it, like people loved me because of that, because I was so amazing. I was, you know, a people pleaser and stuff. And I really wanted to be that myself. And so when I started struggling, I was honest with myself, which is interesting. Like I would write my journal all the time and I never once even mentioned this big part about my life, which is so crazy. It was like, right. you know, I was living two lives and how come I never mentioned it? So like I clinged on to trying to be a perfectionist uh, so hard. And it's like, how can I, how can I even grow? How can I be a human and give myself grace and let others give me grace? It's So I don't know. I can't remember your question, but hopefully yeah. I answered it. Yeah, that was perfect. That was perfect. Just expectations of being
0: perfect and how yeah. that played in. Answered it perfectly. Okay. And then I was going to ask, how did, so you said you got a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And then social media played into it. And so how did social media lead to pornography? And what
1: were your initial feelings when you first viewed pornography? Something you remember is like, you know, it's crazy how the images are burned into your mind. It's crazy how those feelings are with you. And I do remember just feeling like excitement and also a little bit of excitement with being quote unquote rebellious because I've always because I did want to be perfect I guess we can go back to that but it's like oh wow like this is so different and like my family wouldn't improve and so there was a little bit of excitement with being rebellious and doing something that I know I shouldn't be doing and there was fear you know fear of being caught a little bit of shame uh, but I was kind of in shock so it was like you know I kind of want to keep exploring it but like I don't know. It was a wrestle, but then I, I just kept going back to it. You know, you get desensitized and yeah. So what was the second one again with the social Um, media? Yeah. How did social media lead to pornography? Mm -hmm. No, it's everywhere. It's crazy how easy it is. Like, you know, you just search up a word hashtags, you know, there's porn everywhere. For me, I loved looking at like the models and, you know, just, influencers and they show off their body a lot that was pretty damaging for my body image also but you know I don't know if some people would consider bikini pictures porn but you know that's like softer porn but I I believe that whatever makes you feel that way like that kind of is considered porn even if it's cartoons even if it's even if it's books you know but yeah I guess I you know I just looked at a lot of influencers and that softer porn was kind of what I used. And like on Snapchat, it was so easy, you know, on the discovery yeah. page and stuff. It was just everywhere. Yep. Like, even if you try to hide it, you can't really. So, yeah. Yep. So true. That's so
0: interesting. And that's going to be so good for, I think, any parents listening to hear. Yeah. Let's see. So you talked about when, this is kind of a shift, but when you initially told your cousin, you talk about a second of courage that you had. How did you gain that courage? Because I know that there's a lot of people listening that are like, man, I feel like I need to tell someone, but like, how do you even do that?
1: Yeah. Well, it was definitely, gosh, it was definitely like the spirit, you know, helping both of us feel in a safe environment. So it's not like a one-sided thing for sure. I was in such a place where I was ready. I was ready like whenever there was a moment I would jump on it. And I don't know. I I guess I was really feeling, I was really thinking and like feeling so, so strongly like how amazing it would be on the other side. And I'm like, that's not that bad. It's literally two seconds of just like blurting something out. I'm like, okay, I can do that, you know? And so, you know, just kind of almost fantasizing like how, how free I'll feel, you know, after I just do it. And, you know, I felt safe with safe with her and she proved that afterwards, you know, like how loving and understanding she was after. So I was like, okay, dang, I did it and it's done and it's so freeing. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so good.
0: Okay. Next question. Mm-hmm. What tips would you give to, you talked about like how sometimes you didn't have the best experience with young women's leaders and- I mean, I totally agree with you. It really is not 100% their fault, or it's not really our parents' fault because they just didn't grow up in a generation where mm-hmm. they're constantly being bombarded by um, pornography and gateways to pornography. So what advice would you give to
1: parents or leaders? Yeah, no, it's true. And even, even if you're like a very, I don't know the right word, but like an active parent in your kid's lives and you want to you want to stay on top of all the conversations and all that stuff. You just don't understand what it's like being in their shoes, like what it's like being on their phone or like seeing their friend stuff. Or you just don't even understand. Even if you're on the apps and you're like, okay, I'm seeing everything that they're saying. No, you you don't. And so I think it's really important to let them talk. You know, provide the safe places for them to to open up if that's what they're feeling like they can do. And if they want to, and you know, you can ask open-ended questions, of course, like you could probably ask like, what's, what are these apps like? How do they make you feel? Or I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing that out, but I think it's really important for them to feel like they're seen and heard and, and loved and like they're important and that you're not just trying to be a helicopter parent and trying to scare things away from them and, you know, just be super overprotective. Like they can sense that. They can sense like the desperation, that energy from you. So I don't really have a great answer. And I don't know if anyone really knows because this is such a new thing uh, for all of us. We're all trying to figure this out. This is so new. So I don't know. Maybe I love that. Well, I think you did have a great answer, actually.
0: (laughs) I think that's so good. And I love at the end when you were like, we're we're all trying to figure this out and i think even just saying that to your kids like hey i mm-hmm. i would love if you could be super patient with me on this i will be so patient with you as we're figuring this out but feeling like you're in it together and yeah i yeah. love that yeah i love that too okay so i i'm going to ask you a question that i want to ask everyone but i want to kind of gear it towards what you said you talked about how That group therapy taught you the lessons that you needed to learn how to fight and gave you tools and weapons to use. And so I want to ask you what keeps you on the front lines in the war against pornography and what are
1: those weapons and tools that you use? Awesome. Oh, man, it's so exciting. It's so cool that like we're all being trusted to fight this war and that we all have this chance to fight and you know i have said this before but we are a lot stronger together you know it is crazy how many people are and like i did this myself where you just bury your head in the sand you're like there's no worth there's nothing going on but it's it's super empowering when you're like okay you know you acknowledge satan and this is something big this is something big that we all have to fight there are days of course when i don't want to fight and i'm like this isn't that important you know and you let your guard down. And and not even just being not even talking just about like pornography recovery, but it really affects like your day-to-day life. When you when you let those when you let your guard down. You know, Satan gets in your head and he just starts whispering and you start spiral spiraling. So some of the weapons and armor I put on, I think some of the biggest ones for me are definitely scripture study, definitely prayer. That one's a huge one and other big ones are like going to the temple regularly regularly and you know they're kind of like the basic stuff but it's it's huge especially when you switch it from the checklist like i have to do this i have to do this to like oh man i want to do this i want to get closer to christ you start feeling that drive you feel that passion you feel the purpose behind it and then other things just like throughout the day turning off turning off the worldly music and turning on a conference talk or an uplifting podcast or classical music or, you know, just other things to help me keep the spirit with me, help me stay in like a sensitive, that's kind of a weird word to use, but kind of sensitive to the spirit, you know, because when you start letting your guard down and it's just like Satan slowly starts tying you up again and you're like, Oh man, I didn't realize I got that far. I didn't realize that I, that I have been neglecting this stuff for a week. And now I'm like, you know, you kind of lose track. You lose your footing. So, you know, it's like the little daily thing. And you have to do it daily. Just like you have to eat. You have to constantly nourish yourself spiritually as well. So, yeah. I
0: love it. Daily, (laughs) small and simple things. That's just perfect. Uh, (laughs) Final question what would you say if you had a girl, a young girl in front of you right now who was in your position, same as you, 11 years old, feeling like they're the worst person in the world, completely alone? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to say? And I guess what what would be just your final message to anyone listening?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. First off, I think this is super important is that you're not alone. Obviously, there's you know there's at least two of us two of us girls in the world <laughs> that have struggled with it and i guarantee you a lot more and you are so loved and all those things that you're that you're feeling you know that you're not worth it just all those lies they're not true i know it seems like it and you know it's just like bigger when you're when you're stuck in those feelings and those thoughts and i can guarantee that there are so many people that would love to help you, you know, sometimes it just takes like the five seconds of courage and it's so worth it. It's so amazing to be on the other side. I'm so grateful that I, you know, that I didn't take this to my grave (laughs) and that I'm fighting now. It sounds hard, but it's so worth it. It sounds so scary to tell people and reach out for help, but I hope that you'll feel that you are you're worth it, that you're worth fighting for and that there's so many people that would love to have you on their team and fight with you. So yeah, Amen. that's what I would say. Amen. That's so good. Okay. Well,
0: awesome. If there are any in- listeners interested in contacting you or just following you, do you have any social media or anything? Okay.
1: When I was going on podcasts, I would always say like, I would always say an Instagram, but then I would end up like not getting on Instagram or deleting the account. So like, we're not doing that right now. I'm kind of off of social media. So, you know, okay. let's do email okay. if that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's Ashley Ayer. So it's A-S-H-L-E-E-A-Y-R-E at gmail.com. You can still follow my Instagram if you really want. I still check DMs occasionally. So it's Ashley. It's just Ashley without the A, Dean. So Yeah. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much for coming on, Ashley. First episode. Here we go. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: So glad. Well awesome. Thank you, Maddie.
0: Yeah, thank you.